This is the world of Salesforce and Dropbox, HubSpot and Evernote, a world unthinkable without cloud software services. Most businesses and consumers use SaaS every day to get work done. Driven by the internet and ever-expanding availability of bandwidth, SaaS has come to dominate our lives in a very short span of time. But developing a defining service, often ahead of its time, getting users to engage, secure funding, protect IP, and building a truly remarkable and successful SaaS is not an easy task. SaaS Stories brings conversations with the dreamers and visionaries who dare to think ahead. How they build their SaaS, genesis, struggles, trials, tribulations, and eventually success. Welcome to SaaS Stories. Thank you for your time and for joining us in this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give you a shout out to each of you in our following episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Just a quick intro to PitchLink. One of the biggest challenges companies face is the inability to standardize their message to the prospect across a sales team without losing its essence. What sales experts call standardization at the highest level. Basically cloning your best salesperson and her pitch across your entire team. Yet ensure it is personalized. Till PitchLink, it was a lot of work, if not impossible. With PitchLink, you can get your best salesperson to build the narrative and then allow your entire sales team to duplicate the pitch with one click and then personalize it using inbuilt video recording and teleprompter. Sales reps can also insert relevant links directly into the duplicated pitch flow to further personalize it for the new prospect. Want to know more? Sign up for a free one-on-one session. Welcome to this new exciting episode of SaaS Stories. We speak today with Rajiv Rajneshan Nathan, founder of startup Hypeman. What most companies are doing is they'll build a couple minutes of, you know, hey, how are you? Right? They'll open with that. They'll spend a couple minutes asking questions, but the questions are really more focused on, so uh, what has you interested in our software? Like That's essentially what their question is and what the three follow-up questions are built around, which is not the best place to start because it's almost like a leading question. There and what I mean, let's break that down. What the seller is asking the buyer is, you tell me how you're supposed to buy our product. Even though it's my product I'm selling, you tell me what I should be doing here. I mean, imagine like any other scenario where that happens, where somewhere you're being sold to, where they don't have a plan and they expect you to have you as the buyer to have a plan for them. Known as the heavyweight champion of story, Rajiv Rajneshan Nathan is founder of Startup Hypeman, helping growing companies not suck at telling their story, so they stand out to their audience, stand apart from competitors, and break through in their category. He was named an agent of change by Huffington Post, has given a TED Talk, and has been featured in Inc., Forbes, and more. He's also a hip-hop artist, yoga instructor, and host of the popular show, Startup Hypeman, the podcast. Talk to him about Hamilton, WWE or Seinfeld and you will have a friend for life. Now on to this engaging and entertaining episode with Rajiv Nathan. Let's dive into this episode. Rajiv, welcome to the show. I'm I'm really glad that we could connect and uh, 
and and make time you being in chicago me being in bangalore uh, it's not easy to match the <laughs> the clock right uh, so welcome thank you i'm excited to be here and i'm especially appreciative we're recording this on a friday which means this is actually you're giving up your friday night so uh, much obliged on my part I'm, I'm, I was uh, much uh, excited to to chat with you because your space looks like as if it's such a simple thing everybody does it, but you know how complex that is and how complex it can be. So, so tell a bit about your work, uh, Rajiv, before we dive into the uh, chat today. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the short of it is, I will talk to a lot of founders and CEOs who will tell me. Uh, some form of like, hey, we suck at telling our story. We suck at giving our pitch. Um, and where that will come through, specifically in the SaaS lens, is their demos are feature battles with competitors. You know, they'll get caught in pricing wars with customers, and and they're not able to artic- truly like truly articulate the value of their product and the vision that they have into like a clear customer facing message on their demo calls. Um, and then the buyer ends up just, you know, choosing lowest price or perfect, so- you know, perfect software integration, which is not where you want buyers making decisions. Really where you want them making decisions is from a strategic lens um, where they're willing to pay a little bit more actually because they see the value because they see that no one can be as, you know, it can, can help them in such a way that you can. So where I'll come in is really helping these companies not suck at, at delivering their story and delivering their pitch. So we'll help them scale their next revenue goals by working on and figuring out what is the scalable narrative that they need to be delivering. When I say scalable narrative, what I mean is not just one that the CEO or the founder can deliver, but that every sales hire can step in and perform with, right? So it's, it's, it's truly scalable in that sense. I think one of the challenges a lot of founders face is when they sell it themselves, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I can do this because I, you know, I built it. And, and I think it's funny, you know, I was just talking to a founder yesterday and I was telling him that oftentimes zeal alone will get you through all the mishaps because you have so much enthusiasm and energy for your own product. It doesn't translate really at all even to the first sales hire or the fifth sales hire or the 10th sales hire because they didn't build the product. And so they can't possibly have that same enthusiasm. And it's really hard for these CEOs to get what's in their head out of their head into a repeatable, scalable way for their team. So anyways, we'll, we'll develop that scalable narrative process and then we'll back it with ongoing demo call coaching to make sure the team performs. And ultimately, it starts to architect buyers in their direction or architect a message to get buyers in their direction. Um, you know, you cut out those feature battles and pricing wars and really you begin to ascend to the top of your category or create an entirely new category. Great. So uh, th- this is this is quite intriguing because. What you tell me is not only a communication role, but a strategic role that you play in in helping clear out the fuzziness that typically a founder will have because so many things are going through his mind to, to sort of narrow it down and, and make it laser focused so that the other person can get the narrative quickly and easily and effectively. Exactly. Yeah. And whether it's the founder or, you know, the head of sales or whomever it might be, 
right? What the, the, the big challenge I think a lot of these companies are facing is not only is it tough to get it out of their head, but they're also, they don't necessarily have a system to figure, to know how to like build up their team hmm. and they don't have the time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get here? I mean, what were you doing earlier that sort of got you into this space? Yeah, it was kind of a, it's been an interesting path. Um, I think to know me is to know that my fundamental belief is, um, and the reason I think I'm on this earth is to bring out more expression in people. Mm-hmm. And so that has been the guidepost behind everything I've really ever done that I've put effort and care into. And the way I've been, I've gone about that in different forms is story is storytelling in different aspects. So, um, startup hype man came about after my first business didn't pan out, but the thing we were really good at with that, which, and it was a, it was a personal branding and career coaching service. Mm-hmm. Um, we were really good at helping people figure out their own elevator pitch. Like when someone asked the question, what do you do? We were really good at figuring out how a person should respond to that. And so the opportunity came about, you know, as we were sunsetting that company, um, to work with an incubator here in Chicago Hmm. because they knew that I was really good at that kind of pitch stuff. And then they were like, they assumed and they were right. They would probably translate to startups as well. Hmm. And so they were like, Hey, you know, we have this new cohort coming in. The last cohort did really bad on their pitch day. Can you come in and work with these people? And so they brought me in on this outside consulting contract just for the next cohort. And it went really well. Um, and I found that to be the most fun really that I had ever had doing anything professional. Mm-hmm. And so that was the creation of startup hype man. Um, but you know, that idea of expression and storytelling, again, it's pervasive through everything that I do. So right. I also, uh, am a rapper. I also teach yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also do professional announcing, um, mm-hmm. like, like, like ring announcing for combat sports. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And all of these things are different forms of expression, voice and storytelling. And so what's nice is I actually, I, I take this hybrid background that I have and I bring it into the, the SAS and the business arena because, you know, my, my fundamental like baseline belief with startup hype man is that companies need to stop thinking like executives and entrepreneurs and business people and instead think like an entertainer. Because the entertainer is is obsessed with one thing, and that's their audience. Right, right, right. Let's move on with the with the story that we want to tell people today. What is wrong with pitches? <laughs> so much, so much. All right. So the challenge I have seen across so many companies is they are using their demo call. Hmm. And I, I want to clarify, when I say demo, I mean, it could be the discovery or, you know, some companies put discovery and demo as one call. Some people make it two calls. I'm, I'm talking about the whole thing here. Right. Um, so many companies turn their demo call into a 45 minute tour of their product. Yeah. Showing every detail of the back end. Uh, here's our admin dashboard here's what this button does, right? Then there's no real like sequence to it. Mm-hmm. 
And on top of that, there's no story behind it. Hmm. And, you know, I always like to say people, no one ever bought because of a sexy dashboard, a sexy admin panel, (laughs) right? Hmm. So what you need to do is actually, you know, it's counterintuitive, but you will win more customers by showing less of your product. Hmm. Yeah, I was uh, having a chat uh, with Peter Cohen. I don't know whether you are familiar with him. Uh, like he, he worked out a framework and mm-hmm. and he said that start with the end that was his that was his uh, mantra right mm-hmm. so so what is it that you will show right at the end which is the culmination of all the stuff that you have been showing all through and and start with that because then people get a context when even if you're showing something in the admin panel they get a context oh so if i do this that reflects there in that way how, how do you look at this this process of pitching, uh, either during discovery or, or or that process that you just mentioned? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's good. I think that's a good framework. Um, so let's look at kind of like the construct of a of a good call. Hmm. Um, what most companies are doing is they'll build a couple minutes of you know, hey, how are you? Right? They'll open with that. They'll spend a couple minutes asking questions, but the questions are really more focused on, so uh, what has you interested in our software? Like that's mm-hmm. essentially what their question is and what the three mm-hmm. follow-up questions are built around, which is not the best place to start because it's almost like a leading question. Mm-hmm. So here, you know, I'll kind of walk through the framework that mm-hmm. I implement at companies, yeah. which is, you start by giving an agenda for how the call is, how you want the call to run, hmm. and then you get their input to make sure that's that's a, that everyone's in alignment. After the agenda, you deliver what I call your point of view statement. So this is essentially you give them quick five ten second overview of your company's philosophy, your company's point of view on the state of the market and where it needs to go. The point of doing that is to start to align buyers under a certain mindset and know right away if they are, if they share in your point of view, Hmm. because if they don't, you know, you actually know you might be able to end that call a lot sooner than you think. Hmm. But also on top of that, um, you can get an idea of is this going to be a really big uphill climb or are we like starting on the same plane here? Mm. So that, that point of view statement is so helpful towards architecting around a common belief system. After you give the point of view, you then go into discovery, right? And I, and I like the, the reason I like that is because I think of it as like I call it GVG, give, get, give. Hmm. Instead of just going straight into discovery and asking all these questions, give them something, give them a little bit first, right? That's the point of view is you just give them something first before taking from them for the next however many minutes, Hmm. right? So you do thorough discovery here um, and don't just ask what has them interested in the software, learn, you know, what their challenges are, et cetera. Mm -hmm. After that, you then transition and you give your company's elevator pitch. I can I can share the formula for that after I go through this framework. Sure. Um, after, after the elevator pitch, this is the this is probably the controversial part of my framework. Mm. 
I firmly believe you should use a slide deck. You should have a presentation. And then after that is when you go into your demo, your actual software demonstration. And after the demonstration, you then close with next steps. Hmm. A slide deck, when executed effectively, and this is a big part of our process here, which is figuring out what is that perfect presentation, what what it does, if you have the right presentation, is get the buyer emotionally bought in to the concept of working with you. Hmm. That way, what it does is that it then provides context for the actual demo and it tees it up really well. Hmm. And it means the demo itself is now serves as a visual reinforcement as opposed to having to sell or win them by showing them all the buttons. Hmm. So you'll, so you'll have, you'll be able to show much less of the software because they get it. They fundamentally get it through the presentation and the presentation is architecting a really interesting story Hmm. about why they should be doing something in the first place where you mark, whereby you market yourself. So, you know, you, you present the idea of change and market yourself as the logical purveyor of that change. Hmm. And that framework works really, really well overall, the entire call framework, Hmm. because it puts you, it gives you ownership of the call, right? So let me, let me touch on one other thing. When you get to the end of the call, I mentioned the last step was figuring out your next steps. Most companies will get to the end and they'll say, "Okay, great. So tell me what do you like what do next steps look like for you?" There and what I mean, let's break that down. What the seller is asking the buyer hmm. is you tell me how you're supposed to buy our product. Hmm. Even though it's my product I'm selling, you tell me what I should be doing here. Hmm. I mean, imagine like any other scenario where that happens, where, where you're being sold to, where they don't have a plan and they expect you to have you as the buyer to have a plan hmm. for them. So what you want to do instead is define, here's what happens moving forward. And then ask, how does that align with the way you buy things? Hmm. So now what you're doing is giving them a reference point to then tell you their process off of. You're saying, here's how it's done here. How does that compare to how you do things? Hmm. And then you find out, you know, I I don't know if, if people aren't on video, they won't see this. You find out if you're here if you're here or if you're here and for the people on just audio, it was me having two hands nowhere near each other, sort of interlocked or fully interlocked. Yeah. And you want to be fully interlocked, but you can't do that. If you just ask them, what are your, what do next steps look like for you? Hmm. And I'll tell you a lot of times, not only is that, you know, giving away control, but, um, oftentimes buyers don't know truly what their own process is until you give them something to decide off of. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm curious about one thing. The discovery part comes before the presentation, right? Discovery, yes, become, comes before presentation. Yeah, so do you see scenarios in your experience where you have actually in the discovery process, you figured a few things out, which is not, not now not covered in the presentation that you are, you are taking out there? 
Um, not really, because the presentation, again, it's more focused on a, on a narrative, on a story hmm. that talks about change, where it, it's, it's specific but broad enough hmm. where – and delivered in such a way where you actually weave in what they have said into your your voiceover, okay. right? I'm not like you don't make new yeah. slides for every country yeah. customer, but right, means right. you use the same presentation. Maybe you swap out case studies to be industry specific, mm-hmm. but you weave in what they have said into your presentation. And and you know if it's something that's kind of like way different than one than mm. what's on one of your slides, you just say you know it. And you may, I know you don't have this specific issue. You mentioned something else, hmm. but it, it all falls in line with this, with this overarching thing. Yeah. So, so I'm just imagining what kind of a presentation that is. Is it, it is it the kind of uh, presentation that Zora put out for the subscription economy when they were talking about subscription? Is, is it something like that? I think that's, a, I think, I mean, I like that one that I saw. Um, hmm. It is a... I think the framework that we've developed is a little bit more comprehensive than that. Okay. Um, but it does follow along the lines of talking about shifting market forces yeah. and using that as a way to introduce your product. Yeah. So, so Rajiv, I have one question. You know, I have been sort of... Uh, looking at obviously the Zora deck is very well known and a lot of people talk about it so you try to go in search of that kind of a uh, narrative if every company tries to find a shift like that to sort of peg their story or to hang their hat on it is sometimes not not possible yeah so you you are not really you are not really representing a change you are one of the competitors in a market which is pretty established so it's it's the same uh, thomas tungus kind of philosophy that go after one percent unhappy customers of salesforce and you got a unicorn you know so you're <laughs> trying to do that and, and not well uh, it's a good point you bring up hmm. The base answer is most companies aren't doing this which is why there's so much room to do it hmm. right most companies are giving the 45 minute you know, guided tour of their product. Hmm. Um, now that said, the best story will win. Hmm. So two customers in a market may give their own presentation, but then it's kind of, it's which point of view does that buyer choose to align with? Hmm. Do they believe in your way of doing things or do they believe in someone else's way of doing things? But I'll tell you, this is, this, this process works really effectively because what it does is it gets a buyer to say to themselves. So in that presentation, hmm. you are not only talking about the market forces, but you're teaching them something along the way that they didn't realize before about their own situation. Hmm. Um, and the best way to deliver this is through an analogy, like, like, like an analogous situation. Hmm. Where you can say, you see what's happening over there? That's actually exactly like what's happening over here. It has so much influence on what's happening over here. Hmm. And that way of delivering your story, and again, there's, there's some very specific like points in it uh, we can go to and maybe in, in a, go through a different episode. But um, the like what you're getting 
the buyer to do is say to themselves, huh, you know, I never thought of it like that before. Hmm. This is pretty interesting. I should keep listening to what they have to say. These are some smart people. Hmm. And then you've got them really interested, right? And then they're thinking more and more. Um, and then by the end of the whole process, they're saying to themselves, you know, they have a good product, but more than anything, like these people are thought leaders. They're experts. Hmm. We've got to get on board. Like we've got to get on board with their rocket ship because they're going to take us places. Hmm. You know, I, I know they don't have that one feature I was looking for, but that's okay because they're going to take us places. Hmm. So, so before you, this, how much of other work is necessary to establish your credibility, authenticity? I know these words are like <laughs> used very, very often these days. Yeah. But, but, but uh, in uh, in all seriousness, it's not easy to be a thought leader. You know, I mean, we right. all talk about thought leadership and it's difficult. It's not that everybody can be a thought leader. Every, everybody who is running a CRM company can become a thought leader. They can't. I mean, they're finally doing the same thing. Uh, <laughs> you, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, so, so, so my question is, do you choose, I'm talking of you, uh, do yeah. you choose companies who you believe can be thought leaders or... They're already doing a lot of stuff outside this this narrative process to establish their own credentials, so that that can sort of flow into the the narrative and the and the pitching process. Um, it definitely helps if like their marketing organization has been built out already. But I'll tell you, even when they're even in a lot of cases when the marketing function is fully established, hmm. it's not really connected to what the sales team is doing Hmm. and the sales team is saying something totally different. And so that's where actually what I find is a really good sales deck will unite the entire company around one common story. Hmm. Uh, And so it ends up influencing the marketing team in the right way. And if that marketing discipline isn't built out yet, then you actually have a good more or less go to market story that we would build Hmm. That then, as your marketing team gets developed, you're building it around that story instead of having to be like, oh, crap, what were we doing, you know, with the marketing team? Let's have them start doing this now. Right. And so that's it. It works in both ways. Um, Hmm. That may not be the the sexiest answer, but it works in both ways. Hmm. And the I guess the, the big thing is. You don't need to know everything to be a thought leader. Mm. You just need to be able to teach your customer something or show your customer something, perhaps the same thing, but in a way that they have not considered before. Sure, sure. Right. It's time for a short break. Stay with us. After the break. Your job is not to copy me. What you need to do, every salesperson, is make, you need to do a copy paste of this presentation, you know, put them side by side. And in your copy, I want you to delete the speaker notes and knowing the message that needs to be delivered on this slide, I want you to write how you would say it. So what happens then is everyone is saying, is delivering the same theme, delivering the same overall message, but in their own words, in a way that feels comfortable and natural to them. 
you are listening to a business podcast network original podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity which is untapped we can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides it is easy it is powerful and personal talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before write to us at bpn@bizcast.in that is bpn@ bizcast.in business podcast network podcasts end to end welcome back i'm shubhanjan sarkar your host for sas stories and founder of pitchling the buyer seller engagement platform let's dive right back into this episode from where we left it the deck in itself is not the whole thing right it's also what you explain as you're showing the deck so which means there is a actually a narrative there is a you Correct. use the word you use the word voice over there is a you use the word yeah. voice over so uh, so in your experience when you are say dealing with a company which has 10 15 20 sales people and these 20 people are now using this deck to talk to different customers right how how consistent can this voice part of the narrative be because that's extremely yeah. crucial yeah great question these are all really good questions thank you um the the narrative will be pretty consistent so the, so the process when i'll go into a company what we'll do is i will write out the script for the entire thing hmm. with the direction to everyone it is not that you and i also record myself delivering hmm. it so they have an idea hmm. but then the directions from there are are your job is not to copy me what you need to do every salesperson is make you need to do a copy paste of this presentation you know put them side by side and in your copy i want you to delete the speaker notes and knowing the message that needs to be delivered on this slide i want you to write how you would say it hmm. so what happens then is everyone is saying is delivering the same theme delivering the same overall message but in their own words in a way that feels comfortable and natural to them hmm. right and that's how we get it to be really scale across the organization because again the message is consistent and also what's on the slides themselves is the same so there's only there's a certain amount of guardrails that are already put in based on what's literally on the slides themselves but you're able to do so in a way where each person can make it their own right and, and and i'll also work with these reps and and, t- and think through like okay what's your relationship to this topic right here hmm. right like you know this this situation we're drawing up when is something like that happened to you specifically can you talk about your personal story right hmm. and then over time as they start using it we'll start coaching them and being like okay hey the way you delivered this slide was good here's what i want to see the next time to make it even better right hmm hmm yeah i get it and because when when i talk to sales organizations uh, uh as as a part of my work with my sas uh what i hear is that one of the biggest challenges is is getting actually prose written by sales guys which is why their typically their mails suck and any document they create suck uh 
and 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 I, I'm I'm not trying to single them out because they're not. I mean, they're not they're not literature students, right? Sure. So 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 they're not expected. I mean, they're they're not communication students. They they are they're a certain kind of people with either mm-hmm. deep knowledge of the space or interest in other human beings, which is what they like to do. They like to connect. So salespeople and journalists are very similar in 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 certain ways. You know, you like to yeah. connect with people and you like to understand the story and you. You, you get my drift. So, so one of the challenges they have is whenever they're allowing salespeople to actually come up with stuff, they do a really bad job. And that is one of the reasons why any standardized messaging becomes a big challenge. I, I don't know whether whether you see that that at all or yeah. Well, I think it's and that's why you know there are some sales leaders who believe in this practice of like. Everyone, like it doesn't matter what anyone's saying as long as they're making the sale. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe in that because that doesn't mean because there ha- when you have a standardization of messaging, it also sets up customer success to be yeah. successful. Yes, right there because there's a consistent expectation when the when the person buys of what's going of what they're going to get, which makes it easier for customer success to describe and as well that customer success can like reference, you know, what's in that overall narrative to talk through like the onboarding, et cetera. You know, Hey, you remember how we remember how, um, we talked about it operating like this. Remember this part of that story? Yeah. So, so step two here is going to help accomplish that. Right. Hmm. So it just makes it easier to get alignment across the board. Um, but again, that's where we look at how, what do, how do we create one message and then just figure out the the way that each person wants to deliver it sure. so, that, so that they are comfortable with it and don't reject it and say, oh, I would never say that. Hmm. Because they shouldn't be forced to say yeah. things that, they were, that don't feel natural to them. They just needed to li- to deliver a consistent message hmm. based off what's that, like, what's the baseline presentation, baseline narrative. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, let's look at what's what does that mean for you. Yeah, and I, can, I think it makes complete sense because that is definitely the way to to ensure ownership of what is being told so it i'm sure when they're reading your script and they're trying to rewrite it in their own words a lot of internalization can happen so i, I can see how that process works when you're trying to scale it to 50 or 100 salespeople. <laughs> interesting so so moving on you had mentioned to me that you will talk about the the framework for the elevator pitch right yeah yeah, so this is key, um, and this is what and and if you look at that overall call framework that I shared mm-hmm. with you, what I really want people listening to this to understand is the intentional progression of information, one soundbite at a time, or one you know small step at a time, mm-hmm. right? So you have that point of view statement up front, which allows you to. Um, do better discovery because they understand your belief system. Hmm. And then after the discovery, you deliver the elevator pitch. So they have that 30 to 60 second high level overview of what the company can do for them. Hmm. And then, and then that sets up the deck where the larger story comes into play. And then the deck sets up the demo, right? Where it's like, okay, here's the how to of it. Right? So this, this framework from start to finish that I presented Again, it's so, so very intentionally designed to have mm. this 
incremental progression of information where at no point are they feeling overwhelmed and Mm. at all points are they feeling taken care of. Mm. So the elevator pitch specifically, uh, the formula that I developed for this is called K-PASA. It's the K-PASA elevator pitch formula. Mm. Um, Q-U-E-P-A-S-A, which it's, so that's a phrase from the Spanish language. Mm. And in Spanish, K-PASA means what's up or what's happening. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a, you know, it's a greeting. You'd say, hey, K-PASA, amigo. All right. What's up, friend? Um, Now, I, I think that's the perfect, like, framework to use because your elevator pitch you're supposed to be telling people what's up or what's happening with the company Mm -hmm. now what i find at companies is if you ask five different sales reps what or or five different team members of any discipline hey what does our company do you will get five different responses yeah none of which really seem to land like hit, hit 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 on the head hit the hammer hit the nail on the head yeah and so this K-PASA framework, again, it's designed to create that alignment where there's a consistent message. It's designed to give everyone that same response. So you could ask anyone at the company, what do we do? And they will have an answer. Now, not only are they all giving different answers, but they will talk for three, four minutes about everything the product does. They'll give this like word vomit spiel mm. that is just way too overwhelming. Mm. And then they'll say, does that make sense? Mm. And the person will be like, Oh uh, yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> cause they don't, they're kind of confused and they don't want to tell you that they're totally confused. Mm. So the way to get around that, the K PASA elevator pitch formula, the acronym of this is the second part PASA P A S A, mm. which stands for problem approach solution action. Problem, approach, solution, action. Hmm. The beauty of that framework is, you know, coming back to that mindset of think like an entertainer, hmm. you are putting the audience first. You're making it an audience-centric, audience-oriented pitch hmm. by starting with the problem, right? You provide context and frame of reference for why your product exists before you talk about the product, and you lead with empathy because you start with the problem. Hey, here's what we're seeing a lot of people in the market come to us telling, come come to us with, right? Hey, we talk to a lot of, you know, whatever it is. We talk to, you know, CROs every day. Let's say you sell to chief revenue office. We sell to CRO, we talk to CROs every day and they're telling us this, right? Mm -hmm. And then you use that to then go into your approach and solution to talk about what it is that your company actually does. And then the action Mm -hmm. step, the final A in KPASA is the call to action or the ask, which in this specific context, and I'll tell you, the KPASA framework works for many things, hmm. one of which is inside this demo call. And so in this case, the act, action or the ask is going to be some variation of, do you feel you have a good overview of what we do and how we help? Yeah, yeah, okay, great. Let's dive in. Let, let's talk a little bit more about what that means now. And then you pull up the presentation and you start that story. Hmm. Very interesting. So would you like to share one or two stories where people came with a product and it was possibly a good product, but they were not finding their narrative right and you helped them put that narrative in in, in place and, and that changed the trajectory of how the company was uh, performing? Yeah. Um, 
Actually, it's funny because I'm I'm putting together a new webinar called Demo Calls That Don't Suck. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't put it together yet, but this, this, this will actually be a good walkthrough for me because I'm planning to just talk through the journey of a company in that mm-hmm. and, the, and the, mm-hmm. the, the changes they made. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the last year or so, I've been working with a company called SearchSpring, which operates in e-commerce. Um, they, you know, they have a tool that uh, e-commerce retailers will use to uh, you know better improve the performance of their site and the shopper experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met their CEO. You know, I, I cold emailed their CEO a year ago or so. And my cold email seemed to resonate. Uh, you know, he told me selling through demos is horrible. Um, you know, we're always caught in feature battles and everyone's doing something different. They also had a challenge of being in a pretty competitive market hmm. where other companies charge less than them. Hmm. Other, other vendors charge less than them. So they're losing a good amount of market share to those lower cost competitors. And they also sell a a product that is like multiple modules, right? Mm. Where where you know it's it's three or four different modules and you could just buy one if you wanted. Mm. Right? And and because of that they were getting like piecemealed a lot. Right. So instead of buying the full thing, a lot of people are just buying one thing. But the full value of their product is unlocked if they buy the full, if a customer were to buy the full thing. Mm. Right. And, you know, combine that with they had recently come off a merger with another company. So they brought on some new salespeople who came from the merger. Um, and there was just, you know, there wasn't really any alignment across how each person was doing things. Um, and, and a lot of these sales reps were consistently missing their quota. So we implemented this process, right? And, and you know, I used the term before scalable narrative. Mm-hmm. The like the, the 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 actual like product, if you will, that I'll install at a company mm-hmm. is what I call your story stack. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know what a tech stack is, right? So the story stack is like the different components, layers of messaging that are going to influence the call. And so we create the elevator well first we did an audit of the demo process to figure out what needs to change when we create the elevator pitch uh we create the the pitch deck um we craft uh some customer stories for them right like how do they talk about their own customers and then on top of that we did um we wrote out their brand manifesto so like what is like their vision so all of this to say, we created this stuff, and we're doing the ongoing demo call coaching on the ba- in the background. And it's really funny because you know we do the we start with the coaching even before we've built out all the the messaging material because mm-hmm. we want to get to know the sales reps and we want to start giving them even though we know the messaging structure is going to change we want to start just like instilling the good habits out of the gate. You know, without good messaging, you can still learn how to do good discovery. Sure. That kind of stuff. You can still learn how to figure out next steps on a call and secure buyer interest, you know, at the end of a call. So, right, we're coaching on those things. We we finished creating the story stack after a couple months. We launch it, and all of a sudden, from the account executives to the CEO to the SDRs 
to the PR team, to the marketing team, to customer success, everyone's like, oh my God, this is what we do, <laughs> hmm. right? This is it. This is, you know, and, you know, and so it, it worked out really well. Like the, the head of marketing was like, this is this, like this deck is the story I've been trying to figure out how to tell for years. And we finally have something now. Like we should be submitting this for awards. Hmm. The sales team, you know, we, we installed this and then we, we created that call framework, right, that I talked through before. Hmm. And now they're able to better communicate what the product does, like how they help. Hmm. They don't show so much of the product, right? The actual demo is like five, ten, maybe ten minutes. We even change the like how they do demo the software. You even change the orientation of that to make it more um, value driven instead of feature driven. Hmm. And customers are more customers I should say are buying the full product suite because they're realizing the full value of it through the story and through the way the call process is working hmm. and not only that but many of them are going to the lower cost competitors with a basically they're going to them and saying what's missing from your product competitor that you're only charging this much and SearchSpring is charging that hmm Right. So instead of being like, instead of going to SearchSpring and saying, why do you charge so much? Now they're going to the competitors and saying, what, what fast one are you trying to pull over me that you're only charging this much? Mm. Right. right. It's, you know, it's kind of like when you're, you see a t-shirt at Walmart and you see a t-shirt at Nordstrom mm. looks kind of the same. Walmart's charging eight bucks. Nordstrom's charging 80. You mm. know, there's a quality difference, right? <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. so they're getting people to buy the eighty dollar T shirt instead now. More, you know, mm. to continue that analogy, mm. and it's been really good, right? So there's alignment across the board. On top of that, the results have just been like striking. Um, you know, going into this process, they had several of their sales reps on pips. Mm. Now, you know, they had uh, what, one rep in a three month stretch after we launched this, did 195%, 200%, and 105% of quota. Like his bad month was 5% over quota. Hmm. Um, We had another rep who uh, in Q2 doubled his sales over Q1 once this process was in place um, and had the best months he's ever had in his career. Hmm. Uh, We had another rep. They, um, this is where I say like scalable narrative, right? They were brought on as account executive, hmm. and in their second month, did 149 percent of quota, and their third month did 162 percent of quota. Someone else who just came up, who slid over from SDR to AE, and this actually just happened in the last month. They had um, they shifted on the 16th of the month, hmm. so they had 15 days, and. If you took their monthly quota and, and divided it, so you only so it was divided in half for a fifteen day mm-hmm. month, this person did a hundred three percent of that fifteen day time period. Mm-hmm. Right. So in fifteen days they beat what a fifteen day quota would be. And now that they have a full month, right, they're they'll continue that success. Sure. Right. And so that's why like I I really I so firmly believe in this process mm-hmm. because it really does work. As you know, as long as your product 
itself isn't like bogus and actually will help people. And, you know, you're not having crazy churn issues because it's not delivering on the value, you know, and then, and then there's reputation at stake, right? Yeah. It's hard to overcome. As long as the product is fulfilling the value it's supposed to, this process works so, so well. And, and again, it's not just that we implement it, but that we add the coaching on the back end. So that way we're constantly looking at how do we make you better as a seller and better as a storyteller. And, um, and then within that, we look at as well, okay, because we keep listening to calls and we say, okay, where, where do we need to update the messaging? Mm. Right? So for example, we're on elevator pitch 2.0 because elevator pitch 1.0, we realized after using it for a couple months, we're like, you know what? It's not, it's not landing well enough. And it's, it's not something that, um, it's something that any of the competitors could say as well. So we've got to make, we've got to upgrade it. And so we upgraded it and the elevator pitch 2.0, it just lands so well. Hmm. Fascinating. I think uh, uh, there is no shortcut to understanding how to build a great narrative, right? So it's right. <laughs> it is it is specific to who you are and what you are. So before I let you go, are you seeing success in certain kind of industries, or is it across the board, or is it only SaaS that you are working with now? Yeah, I mean B two B SaaS. I mean specifically if you sell through the demo process, that's where this is going to work really well. Hmm. Um, I think it. Let me see. We, you know, we've implemented this across several different industries, so there hasn't been necessarily like one industry it works in better than the other. Hmm. Um, I just think it it will work really well if the founder or CEO is willing to more or less get out of the get out of the way. Hmm. Um, hmm. They're involved in the process very closely, but they have to be willing to cede some of that control. Hmm. To be able to, you know, not just have something created and say, "Well, no, 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 I do it like this. We're just going to do it like that." Mm. Right? So, so you have yeah. to like, like put your ego to the side. Um, I think the other aspect would be it'll it'll work. It's not that it won't work. It's just that it'll be a little bit more of a lift on the front end if it is a like highly commoditized market. Mm. Um. So, for example, and I think you may have used this earlier, if we did this for like, I don't know, hypothetically for like constant contact, hmm. where, you know, a person who's buying that can rattle off like eight other providers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and essentially the market is so saturated by that point that people really are just like, no, I just want the lowest price. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, it's not that it won't work. It's just that there's more of a lift on the front end to figure out the differentiation. Hmm. True. Great, Rajiv. This was a great chat. Thank you for being open and uh, and for sharing. Uh, are you planning to write a book? You know, you're probably the third person to ask me that in the last like six months. Um, <laughs> at some point, I feel like it will happen. Uh, I just don't feel like I have the mental stamina or time or full desire to like real to really invest myself in that process right now but i don't see it being you know too far away great so thank you very much uh, uh, tell us how our uh, our audience can get in touch with you 
Of course. Um, you know, if anything that I said resonated with you, if you have questions, um, please follow up with me. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, just search my name, Rajiv Nathan, or you can type in Raj Nation, all one word, and it'll show up. Um, Startup Hype Man is the website, and uh, we have a podcast ourselves called Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Uh, the big thing, though, that I think um, I want to leave people with, we talked through that K-Pasa elevator pitch formula. Um, you know, we, we kind of had to breeze through it. So if uh, anyone listening wants to dig deeper into that and see some examples um, and some like thought starters for figuring out your own, um, I put together a quick little guide for you. It's like a four-step guide um, that you can get as a listener of this show. So just go to startuphypeman.com slash SaaS stories, startuphypeman.com slash SaaS stories. S-A-A-S stories, as you know, as listener of the show. Um, and we and, and there's a quick, simple guide you can you can grab off that page. SaaS Stories is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Pitchlink enables high-quality interactions between buyers and sellers through presentation and discussion modules. Sellers create personalized sales presentations and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive buyer-qualified engagement. Pitchlink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer-seller conversation. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intrusion. Call us on 990-216-3132. That is 990-216-3132. Rajiv, thank you so much. You have a wonderful day and, and we'll talk soon. Of course. Thank you. We have a powerful lineup over the next couple of episodes with great conversations including Stephen Brady, founder and CEO of Revenue Growth Consulting, Marcus Wrench, founder Remarkable, Lazare Rosilin, co-founder and CEO of Spoke and many more. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you do not miss a single episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being with us today and listening to this episode of SaaS Stories. This is where I speak with the dreamers and visionaries who dare to think ahead and build world-class SaaS products. We hope this conversation helped you with the insights that you can go and apply right now to your own SaaS journey. We hope to have you here with us again in the next episode of SaaS Stories. SaaS Stories is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform, and is a BizCast original production. 